Turn with me, if you would please, to two openings this evening, to the 103rd Psalm, and then John chapter 5. Anybody been reading our scriptures this week? Then you read John 5, if you were reading. For those of you that are visiting, as a church, we're reading the New Testament through one chapter every day. Monday through Friday in the New Testament. It's interesting if you'll do that, just read one chapter out of the New Testament. Of course, we started Matthew 1, reading through Revelation. You read one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, and in one year's time, you will have read the New Testament. And besides that, we're all reading the same thing, feeding on the same thing, helps unity, helps to feed your faith. And so we greatly encourage you to do so if you haven't been, join with us, hook up with us, uh, we finished up uh, this week in John, what was it, 7? So Monday, we start John 8. And if you want to join with us, of course, you read John 8 Monday, John 9 Tuesday, etc. Somebody said, what if I just want to read the rest of John? Don't. <laughs> Follow instructions, please. And, and uh, don't speed read. You want to read some more? Then go somewhere else. Go read Genesis. Yeah, read the book of Psalms if you want to help yourself. But on this, I want you, while you're fresh, while you're alert, don't speed read, don't scan, but carefully with all the faith that you have, read that chapter. Amen? And expect to get something out of it. Expect to get fed. Expect to get revelation. And this is what we're doing, I believe, at the direction of the Lord. And we've been teaching for several weeks now a series called The Works and the Ways of Jesus. And as we're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're looking at Jesus and seeing how he did everything that he did. He never changes uh, his ways then or his ways now. And we want his ways to be our ways. Amen. Amen. We want to learn how he responded to things. So we respond the same way. How he handled things. So we handle them the same way. For there is no better way to do it. There is no better example. Nor ever will be. Amen. How many would agree Jesus is your hero? Yes. When you grow up you want to be exactly like him. Just like him. Amen. 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 In Psalm 103. This has been our golden text for this series. Psalm 103. And the seventh verse, 103.7, said, He made known His ways unto Moses, His acts unto the children of Israel. The Israelites knew His acts. They knew what He did and all the things they saw, the splitting of the Red Sea, the manna out of the sky, the water out of the rock. They saw all that. But they never understood Him and how He works And what was important to him. But Moses did. Moses not only saw his acts. Moses got a hold of his ways. Amen. Is that your heart? Do you have a desire for that? That you don't just want to see the external. And whatever. About even unsaved people know. Maybe some historical things that happened. And what God has done. But we want to understand what he likes. What he does not like. What he loves. What he abhors. What's important to him. What's insignificant to him. And that doesn't happen just because you got saved. You have to put yourself in the word. Have to commune with him. Have to be hungry for it. Want it. Didn't the scripture say don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. That doesn't happen in a day or two. And it doesn't happen unless you reach for it. Unless you want it. Well, in John, the fifth chapter, notice something that Jesus said that, I, that you'll see revealed some of his ways and operations. And then we'll get into something that is a great truth that is applicable to every part of our lives this evening. In John chapter 5, are you there? John 5, Jesus said many great things here, but let's just focus in on one part, verse 41. Verse 41, Jesus said, I tell you, let's just stop right here and just pray just a moment further. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for all these people. They're not here by accident, and I'm not here by accident. You're here. 
We're all here by divine appointment. Our eyes are on you. And I ask that you'd give everybody open ears to hear and a heart to receive, eyes that see. Let there be a supply of the Spirit into the lives of the people. Let there come divine grace and truth and revelation that sets free in direction and answers for right now. And we'll be hearers and doers and not hearers only. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say it out loud. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. You do understand that's the only people that get results in their life. Just hearers of the Word don't get results. Shouters about the Word only don't get results. Just people who play tapes and read books and go to meetings only do not get results. Tell me who gets results. The doers. And who are you? I'm a doer. One more time, say it out loud. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. It helps you just to say that. John 5, verse 41. Jesus said, I receive not honor from men. You'll find uh, two or three other statements just like this in the book of John, where Jesus has said, I'm not interested in uh, being magnified in the eyes of men. You do know that people are fickle, don't you? Oh boy. Crowds will crown you today and crucify you tomorrow. You're the greatest thing today and in just a few days or a week or two or a month or two, you can be a sorry rascal in the eyes of the same people. And people can think you're doing pretty good when you're not. And people can think you're doing real bad when you're doing pretty good. But God knows. I said, he knows for real. And you know, people like to say, well, I don't care what people think about me. And usually they're lying when they say that. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's easy to say that. But you know, really you do. You do care at least some about what people think about you. But we are to be most interested in what the Lord knows about us. Amen. I know uh, I've had the privilege of working under Dr. Kenneth Hagin for 20 years. And he operates in a lot of revelation. Just knows a lot of things supernaturally. And when I was uh, first began to work with him, a lot of times I'm sitting two feet from him, three feet from him during part of the service. And especially when I first started, he'd come sometime, stand right in front of me. And he's talking, and I just knew he's just seeing all kind of things in my life. And I'm thinking, <laughs> and that kind of bothered me. And I thought, oh, God, I wish you'd go somewhere else, you know. I mean, he just, he probably picks up every mistake I ever made in my whole life. And finally, I realized one day when I was praying, you're in the presence of God. He knows everything. And if you're okay with him, what does it matter about other people? Hmm? And really, that's the truth. Isn't it? I mean, that's the big thing, to be right with God. And if you're right with God, I mean, what if somebody picked up something? You're already right with him. He's the one that matters. Jesus said, I don't receive honor from men, but I know you, the people that were trying to argue with him. He said, you don't have the love of God in you. I'm come in my father's name and you receive me not. If another will come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from God only? Focusing too much on what other people think can be and is a great detriment to your believing. Let me read this verse to you again. How can you believe? How can you? Jesus said. Which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from God only. Our associations in life have tremendous impact on our faith. Who we're around, 
who we want to be around, who we try to impress, who we would like uh, to find us impressive. All this kind of stuff can just absolutely wreak havoc on your faith. Now, I'm going to go to a few scriptures first right now to lay a foundation, and then we're going to get into some elaboration. Go, please, to 1 Corinthians 15 and Proverbs 13. Two places, please. 1 Corinthians 15 and Proverbs 13. When it comes to your faith, who should you be concerned about, about what they think about it? God. He's the one that honors your faith. He's the one that responds to your faith. He's the one that meets your needs, not me. I mean, if I think you're doing a good job, that really doesn't mean much. Because I can't heal you. No other man or woman can. I don't care what they say. People can hook up with you, minister to you, even with special anointings. Join their faith with you. But no man can heal. Doctors can't heal. No medication can heal. Uh, You know, doctors can help. But they can't heal you. They can remove the growth or the diseased tissue. But that's not healing. Then the body has to heal after they did that. There's all kinds of things they can do to help and thank God for them. And I, I pray for doctors. I pray for medical researchers. Especially if something comes to my mind. I heard something on the news. And I just stopped right there. I said, Lord, give those guys wisdom. Give them understanding. Give them insight and revelation into how that part of the body works. I mean, that's how we've come as far as we have. People haven't figured things out just because they're so smart. God has given this revelation and understanding of the body he created, amen, to men to help us on a natural level. He hasn't given us this in place of his healing power. That'd be a poor, 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 poor substitute. No, thank God we got both. Amen. We got some help in the natural and thank God we got the supernatural, him who made the body. And um, in praying about this, well, let me read this first. 1 Corinthians 15. Do you have your place there? 15. Let me read this and then I'll come in. 1 Corinthians 15 and uh, verse 33. 33 is where I want you. He said, be not deceived. Be on the watch. Don't let it happen. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Communication has to do with the idea of fellowship and keeping company. In fact, the the NAS translation of the same verse says, Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Hmm? You ever heard people say, even maybe your mama told you, don't run with that bunch. That'll rub off on you. Well, that's scripture. That's not just mama, that's scripture. <laughs> and sometimes parents say, well, you know, my kid just got in with the wrong bunch, not realizing that they headed up the wrong bunch. Their kids was the one in leading other folk astray. I've seen that a lot of times. <laughs> that didn't go over too big, did it? <laughs> I'm not taking it back. (laughs) Proverbs 13. (laughs) My baby couldn't do anything wrong. Somebody led him astray. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Are you there? 1320. He that walks with wise men shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Old Testament reference and New Testament reference to the same truth, isn't it? You hang around wise people, what will begin to happen to you? You're wising up. Hang around with fools, 
What will happen to you? You'll get dumber. Not only that. What did he say? A companion of fools. What will happen? Not only will you partake of their dumbness. But you'll partake of their destruction. This is serious isn't it? Corrupt communications. Or evil or bad communications. And associations and company. Corrupts. Good manners and good morals. We may not realize it but. Everything you are today is a result of all your previous associations, isn't it? Good and bad. Everything. Your association with your parents as a child. Whatever's in them got in you. Good and bad. Your association with uh, teachers and coaches and, and your association with fellow students. Some of them uh, led you good and some of them you went wrong. And you can tell. I mean, sometimes it's not as obvious to the individual themselves because these things can happen gradually. But other people around about them can see that since they started hanging around with them, they're not as good a person. Their desire for God has cooled off. They're not as interested in other people. They're more selfish. Right? Not as respectful. And we're not to act like that these things can't be helped. You see people all the time with their kids and with their teenagers. They can see their character begin to slide and just act like, well, they're just going through those teenage years. It just can't be helped. That is absolutely not true. People don't have to go crazy. Kids don't have to go crazy. No, they don't. I've seen it. I've seen both ways. I've seen kids live right their whole life. Hmm? I know I have pastor friends and I have minister friends and, and other people that loved God and they brought their children up in the nursery and admonition of the Lord. Of course, they made some mistakes, but they never had to go get them out of jail. They never had to put them through drug rehab. They never had to be concerned about all these things. And now they're married and have a good, strong family. Don't you believe the lies of the world that everybody... Has to get in the muck and mire and then be lifted out. No, you do not. I said, no, you do not. God can keep you. You can live right in this world full of evil. You can have victory. Amen. You can be clean. Because the one who's in you is greater. Greater than the one that's in this world. Does it make any difference who you hang around? So make it any difference who you hook up with. Oh boy. I mean looking back now. I am so thankful. For the people of God. That the Lord brought into my life. I'm thinking about. 15 years ago. 20 years ago. 30 years ago. My my my. Some of the things. I didn't know they were out there. I didn't know God was a good God. I didn't know God would heal you. And pay your bills. I didn't know that. I thought it was all mystical. You just left it up to him. We didn't have anything. And I began to associate with some people. That put something in me. And just hanging around them. I start having more faith. Amen. And then as my ministry. As I was in the ministry for a few years. In a time of prayer. One time I saw this. The Lord revealed to me. You've gone as far as you can go. With the vision that you have. Your vision must be enlarged. You must be enlarged on the inside. Because the Lord's limited by our faith and our vision. And I said well Lord what needs to happen. He said ask me. For the associations. That will help enlarge your vision. I said, well, I'll do it right now. In Jesus' name, I ask you. And you know, it wasn't a few months until I was sitting at the table with people that I never thought I'd have been at the table with. Amen. In meetings with people. In association. And see, these things don't happen by accident. They're God-ordered and ordained. And sometimes while these people are talking, man, it's, they don't know it, but it's helping me on the inside, man. I mean, what looks like just overwhelmingly too big to me, to them, is like we did that last year. Amen. You need to be around people that have a bigger vision than you do. Yes. People that have more faith than yes. you do. Yes. Amen. Amen. 
But you know so much of the time. People don't because of pride. They want to be the big dog everywhere they go. They want to act like I got more faith than anybody around me. I got more vision than anybody around me. And so if they do get around somebody that has a bigger vision, it intimidates them. They don't like it. They want to be the big wheel. And so they go from it. The very thing, the very associations that would help them. I want to be inspired, don't you? I want to be around something that's bigger than I thought of. Because he's able to do. Exceeding abundantly. Above all we ask or think. But what if we can ask and think bigger? Then he's able to do above that too. Oh friend, do you see how important this is? That the limiter is not with God. It's with us. The limiter is with the little small thinking. The little narrow vision. That's what limits God. I say limits God. Yeah. Don't you remember in the Psalms? It said the Israelites turned and limited the Holy One of Israel. How could you limit God? In your life. What he can do for you. You can limit. Through unbelief. Narrow and small thinking. Well one of the big ways he's going to help you. Is uh, through associations. I'm so thankful for my faith buddies that I have. Amen. My faith friends. My faith associations. My vision friends. Amen. I've been so helped. By people like uh, Kenneth Copeland. Dr. Kenneth Hagen. Jesse Duplantis, I was just with him a few weeks ago. I mean, he and I are looking around at his place there, and we're talking about what God's done for him, and, and stirred me up. Brother Jerry Savelle, he's got a car full of super nice classic cars. He has car faith, <laughs> as well as worldwide ministry faith. Brother Copeland has airplane faith. Given away like 20 or more than that. And uh, I know when I was first uh, began to stir up to believe for an airplane. I mean, I, I was a poor boy from Mississippi. I mean, I grew up with red mud between my toes and dumb as a post. I mean, I, it never occurred to me that Keith could have an airplane. Just, I mean, that was for other folks. That never even occurred to me. And the Lord began to deal with me. You need to believe me for an airplane. It's not a luxury. It's going to be a necessity to do what I'm calling you to do. I thought, is that right? But somebody said, well, why didn't he just do it? Well, I have to believe him. And so the big challenge is not him doing it for me. It's him getting the vision into me that I could see it. And and. Right along in that same time, uh, the Lord allowed me to have some fellowship with Brother Kenneth Copeland. And I'd go down there and he said, get up in my airplane. Get up in there and make airplane noises. <laughs> so I'd get up in there and spit on the windshield. <laughs> and I'd try to see myself in an airplane because the Lord told me to believe for one. I, to be frank with you, I didn't really want to. Because I knew how much work it was going to be for me to learn how to fly and all that. Man, that's a lot of work. And all the stuff it takes and money to, to operate these things. I, I didn't really want to. But I got to the place where I realized I'm going to be disobedient if I don't do this. The Lord kept telling me, if you don't do it now, you're going to be behind. I don't want to be behind. So I'd close my eyes and I'd try to see me in the airplane and I'd try to see Phyllis in the back. I could see Brother Kenneth in there. But every time I looked, I wasn't in there. And look back in the back and, and nobody, Phyllis wasn't back there. And I tried to get that vision inside me. And that airplane wouldn't fit. The wings were too wide and the tail was too tall. It wouldn't go in. I, could, I couldn't get it in there. Do you know what I'm talking about at all? And it took me some months. But thank God for these associations. People like uh, uh, Mac Hammond. We're very close, good friends, Mac and Lynn Hammond. They came by a while back and looked at this place. Y'all didn't know it, but they were came by. They were so happy 
They were so ecstatic. You'd have thought it was theirs. Everything that God was doing. So ecstatic. In fact, I'm speaking up there just next week. Yeah. Uh, I didn't share, you know, not too many people do you want to share some things with. They just shoot holes in it. And they just tell you why you can't do it. And why it's too big and why it won't work. You ever heard that? Make up your mind. You are not going to do that to somebody. You're not going to be a discourager. A vision stealer. Dashing other people's dreams. But as a person of faith, you need to understand there's a whole lot of people you don't need to tell about it. Because they're not going to agree with you. I'm talking about faith associations tonight. Are you, are you, you with me on this? You think this is important? I told Brother Mac Hammond finally. I told him what I was believing to do. And I knew he knows aviation. He was a fighter pilot and everything else. I mean, he's a tremendous aviator. Even had an aviation freight business of his own before he got into the ministry. And so he knew what I was talking about. And for me to do what I was talking about as soon as I was talking about sounded impossible. And I wanted to see what he's going to say. He looked at me. He said, Keith. He said, you can have anything you can believe for. Anything. I thought, that's exactly right. (laughs) I can have anything I can believe for. So I kept stretching, and I kept believing, and I kept stretching. Next thing you know, I got one wingtip in, and I got another wingtip. I got that tail in, amen? And I looked, I closed my eyes, and I looked in the cockpit, and there I was. There I was, sitting in the seat. Looked back, and there was Phyllis. I said, hey, Phyllis, give me something to drink back there. (laughs) And it wasn't a year's time until it was. Amen. And the Lord just blessed us. We've just gone up and up ever since. Everything in life and everything in faith is that way. And everybody and everything that you are associating with is either helping your faith or hurting your faith. Everything you're watching on TV is either helping your faith or hurting your faith. Don't be lulled into thinking, oh, it's not helping nor hurting. It's just kind of, uh-uh. It's either helping you or it's hurting you. And, and the thing is, so much of this stuff is so subtle. So subtle. You, you, you'd hardly even realize what they're feeding you. But it's hurting you. Real slight negative connotations. And some of them are not so slight. Some of them are just overt. Against God. Here's a real simple rule of thumb. Now it will simplify your life. If you want it. Anything that is ungodly. Is not for you. Most any Christian would agree with that. Right? What is ungodly though? Ungodly is un-God. God's not in it. They left God out. If they left God out, then it's not for you. That's not as strong as the first amen. Man, this will help you, friends. This will help you. This will, if, if they leave God out, then you change the channel. Hmm? And people... You have people who talk faith and people who talk doubt. People who talk results and people who talk the problem. People who talk faith and people who talk fear. People who talk living and people who talk dying. I had the privilege of working in the healing school with Dr. Kenneth Hagin for some 13 years or so. Every day, people coming from all over the U.S., other countries, many of them given up to die. Medical science done everything they know to do. They're there as a last straw, last hope. And I've seen amazing things. I've seen people on Monday, they stayed a week with us. On Monday, they looked like they could have died before the service was over. Some of them, you wondered if they're going to make it through the service. They were that low. 
And it's amazing sitting under the word being, and I would also in the mornings, it was just a kind of a closed thing. But in the afternoons, we opened it up to the public and invited those Rama students that were going to the college there to come. Well, these guys are getting pumped full of faith every morning and afternoon. And I wanted them in there around these guys because they're just ready to shout amen and ready to run and glory to God. And, and that affects the others. They're in there thinking about dying, and these guys are sitting down beside them thinking about winning the whole world for Jesus. Makes a difference. And I tell you, I have seen these people that look like death warmed over, as we say, in a matter of four or five days, just in that influence, in that environment, just open up like a flower in the sun. And be 80%, 90% better in a week's time. I've seen those same people go home for a weekend and come back on Monday and look like they did the Monday before. Lost all the progress that they had. And I said, what happened? I mean, is God healing them or not? Listen, it's not up just up to God. It's up to the receiver. And the problem is, you can receive strength and receive strength. And I knew exactly what was that. Some of them I specifically tried to find out. And it was, they went, their problem was they went back home. And they got around their unbelieving kinfolks. And all they did was talk the problem and talk the problem and ask them 40 times a day, how do you feel? How do you really feel? And all they're doing is thinking about how they feel and the problem, and they begin to go down, begin to go down. Now, this is not just something that that's, might be true. The scripture said, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Does it make any difference what you keep your mind on? Life and death, New Testament scripture says, huge difference. Now, this is kind of a hard thing to say, but it's a fact. There are a lot of people today dead because of their unbelieving relatives. There are people that I had in healing school that I knew if I could just get them away from their family and keep them with me, they'd be okay. But you can't do that. I mean, you can't live with everybody night and day. Not supposed to. And some people, you know, they, they were doing good, they were up, and they get back with somebody, and they start talking about it. And they start talking about the problem. And they start, yeah, yeah, and this, negative this, death that. I mean, it sounds like a phrase, but there are folk that have literally talked people to death. Talked them into doubt, talked them into expecting to die. Here they're with me, we're shouting the victory, we're giving praise to God, we're confessing the Lord's my healer, I'm not going to die, I'm going to live, I'm going to declare the works of God, with long life he satisfies me and shows me his salvation, and they go home and they say, "Uh, honey, what song would you like for your funeral? Would it be okay if brother so-and-so preached it? Who do you want for the Paul? Well, you can't sit and listen to that and think about that for all day and night. Unless you're going to die. Now I know there are folk that don't believe this. But this is reality. I said this is truth. This is how it works. Whether you believe it or not. These are not my words. I'm quoting to you God's words. Did he not say that life and death. Is in the power of the tongue. Did he not say that. He did. What you think about. What you say. Can make the difference between life and death. And who you are around is going to greatly affect what you're thinking and what you're saying. Everybody say faith associations. See, you either need to be getting inspired by whoever you're around or they need to be getting inspired from you. One or both. But you don't need to be getting discouraged from who you're around. And people telling you why it won't work. Why it's not for today. I need to say that one slowly. Why it's not for today. Why all that has passed away. Why that's just for the Jews. That doesn't belong to us now. That stuff will kill you. But I'm telling you what. You get around people full of faith. 
It's contagious. You get around people full of joy. It's contagious. You get around people, amen, with some vision. They're not wanting to just sit on the side. They go like, hey, come on, let's pray. Let's give. Let's work. Let's believe God. Let's get this thing done and go home and be with Jesus. Amen. Let's reach some people. Let's see something happen. Let's see some healings. Let's see some miracles. Let's see some people's needs met. Let's see some bills paid. Let's see some debts paid off. Let's see some people get out of depression and get happy. Amen. And if it's strong enough in you and on you, it can be like a strong current. Amen. They'll just pull even unbelievers off of the bank and just pull them in. Next thing you know, they'll be on the bandwagon going, yeah, hallelujah, yeah, yeah. God's moving. <laughs> and you get a bunch of people believing that God's moving and things are popping. Guess what? The door's open. Amen. And he will move. He responds to that. That's faith. That's faith. Go with me, please, to the Old Testament, to Second Chronicles. Well, before you do that, you're already in the Old Testament, aren't you, back in Proverbs? Find two openings, 1 Corinthians 5 and then 2 Chronicles 18. We'll go from the new to the old then like that. 1 Corinthians 5. I'm glad I came tonight. I preached this just for me if nobody else. I thank God for my faith, friends. Amen. And I tell you, in my own life, I'm purposing that I'm going to be more conscientious about what I watch, about what I listen to. Amen. Because everything, the Lord actually said this to me just about a month ago. He said, everything you watch and everything you listen to is feeding some part of your being. Some things will feed your faith. Some things will feed your fear. Some things feed love. Some things feed lust. Some things feed unselfishness. Some things feed greed. And there's certain, and you know, you have flesh. Your body didn't get born again. Your body will still do anything you let it do. And there's certain parts of you, you don't want fed, you want starved. Because the more you starve it, the weaker it gets. The weaker the desires get and the less problem it causes you. There's a lot of people that I know this, a lot of folk don't like talking about this kind of stuff. But there is an epidemic in our society, in the church, of people who are filled with sexual lust. It's an epidemic. And it's no accident. The reason it is, is because people are feeding these parts of their desire. They're feeding it with stuff they're watching and stuff they're reading and stuff they're hearing. And you keep feeding it, it's going to get stronger. And you keep feeding it, it's going to get stronger until you become obsessed. But thank God you can starve it. The same thing you did that caused the problem, you can quit feeding it. Cut that off. Don't say you can't. Cut it off. Quit watching it. Quit reading it. Quit listening to it. Quit letting yourself think about it. And it might be a challenge at first. But I'm telling you, it'll get weaker. It'll get weaker. It'll get weaker. You starve it. Starve anything. And it'll get weaker until it just doesn't bother you like it used to. Can you say amen? There's some real answers here. Same thing is true. What if you feed your desire for God? You feed it. You'll get hungrier for God. Your desire will get so strong for God, it'll get you up in the middle of the night and get you to praying. Amen. You'll get to believing like you never did before. You'll get to working like you never did before. And those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, Jesus said, they shall be filled. Everything you watch, everything you listen to, that includes people. As well as TV and radio and videos and movies and everything. Everything you watch is feeding some part of your being. And you need to ask yourself when it's going on, do I want that part of me stronger? If you don't, shut it off. Get away. Quit. Cut it off. Feed what you want stronger. Starve what you want weaker. 
You're in control. It's up to you. 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Are you there? 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 9. He said, I wrote unto you in an epistle, a letter, not to company with fornicators. What's a fornicator? That's people who have sexual relations with people that they're not married to. Somebody said, well, we're going to be married. That's exactly the same as not being married. (laughs) Somebody said, well, we're already married in the eyes of God. Said who? Who said that? Mm -mm. There's no indication to say that you're married in the eyes of God before you're married before men. No scripture for that. No indication for that. Fornicators. Now he, he clarifies though. He says, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, for then must you needs go out of the world. How are you going to get away from all that? You'd have to leave the planet. Now he said, no, but I've written to you not to keep company. Everybody say, don't keep company. Not to keep company if any man is called a what? He's specific. He's talking about people that's supposed to be Christians. Sinners are sinners. That's what they do. But people that's supposed to be Christians, if they are fornicators, if they are covetous, if they're idolaters, railers, drunkards, extortioners, with such and one what? Don't have a meal with them. This hasn't been preached, has it? In a lot of places. Now, he goes on to say, well, I don't read all of that. Just there are a number of reasons why the Lord said do this. In another place, he said, you know, you don't just write them off, but it's so that they may be ashamed, so that they may see everything's not okay. If people are living like the devil, and we let them sing in the choir, we let them work in with the ushers, we let them work in the parking lot, we treat them like nothing's wrong, then we're contributing to their illusion. And their deception. It's not okay. Now people's not saved. It's a different deal. Right? We're not out to judge them or say a bunch of things about them. But he, another thing is, if you hang around folk like that, it can get on you. The other side of this, can it? We've talked about that. I know a person, God delivered them. They lived out in Vegas. And they lived the big show life in the fast lane. They were drinkers, did drugs, did everything you can imagine and stuff you shouldn't imagine. And they got saved. God called them. They got into ministry. And I'm telling you, a good ministry, powerful ministry. But they felt like that they, they, God could use them to go back and get these people uh, out of this thing that they used to live in. You got to watch that. I said, you got to watch that. Because something that you used to be in, you can get sucked back into. And don't try to act like, well, no, I'm saved. There's no way. No, your flesh remembers yielding to all that stuff vividly. In fact, go over to the 10th chapter. 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion, some say fellowship of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion, the fellowship of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, and we are all partakers of that one bread. When we take communion, we do it by faith. We should be fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Actually partaking. Intimate fellowship with the blood and with the broken body of the master. Well, then he goes on to show a contrast here. He said, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. You hear these words, communion, fellowship, partake. What say I then that the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. 
You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but not, but all things rather edify not. You know, the reason why we shouldn't go to certain places is not just the external thing. It's if you go to certain clubs, you go to bars, and you are there and watch what they watch and hear what they hear. You're not just fellowshipping with flesh. You're fellowshipping with the spirits that they're yielding to. Devils, the scripture said. I mean, let me say it further. Movies, books, who inspired this? Where did the writer get their ideas from? Was it the Holy Spirit or was it some wrong spirits? Well, then if you let yourself be immersed in it and let yourself be carried away and let it take your mind and your feelings, then you're yielding to whatever spirit influenced them to write it in the beginning. The Bible tells us the Lord is jealous. We are part of his bride. And we are to be faithful to him. Amen. Like a faithful bride. And what you may not have realized is these old spirits that you used to yield to when you were in the world. They used to be your running buddies. Just like the Holy Spirit is now. These wrong spirits used to be your running buddies. You used to party with them. You used to yield to them. Cuss, be mean, drink and fight and run after the opposite sex and every other thing. Well, see, they will at different times in your life try to come to you again. And on a Saturday night, it's like a bunch of old party friends pull up in the driveway and blow the horn. Doot, doot. Hey, remember us? Man, you used to party with us. You used to have some fun. Man, we used to light the town. Come on, let's go. Come on, we'll have a big time. And you're being tempted to be unfaithful to your new husband, the Lord Jesus. Did you hear me? How many understand what you're supposed to do in a situation like that? Absolutely no, not, get away, go. Hmm? And no fellowship. With that kind of stuff. And if people are going to fellowship with the wrong thing. Then it affects how much you can fellowship with them. Doesn't it? Go with me now to uh, 2 Chronicles. If you're holding your place there. 2 Chronicles 18. Does it matter who you hook up with? Does it matter who you run with? Everybody you talk to and listen to. Everybody you fellowship with is either helping your faith or hurting your faith. And you need to order your time with them accordingly. If you're not influencing them for good, watch out that they don't influence you for bad. And don't think that you're so strong that all that won't affect you. Don't believe that lie. You cannot just watch something and hear something hour after hour after hour, day in, day out, without it affecting you. Do not believe that you're impervious to all this. It'll affect, the thing is, it affects you and you don't even realize it's affecting you. It's a subtle, deceptive thing. And it can happen slowly. And then over a period of time, you just get totally off. Second Chronicles, the 18th chapter, are you there? Second Chronicles chapter 18 and the first verse. Now Jehoshaphat, anybody know Jehoshaphat about him? He was a good king. You remember that? Loved God. A lot of good qualities about him. Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. God gave them to him. And he joined affinity with Ahab. Anybody ever read about Ahab? Ahab was a bad cat. He was bad. Anybody know Ahab's wife? 
What was her name? Jezebel. And boy, she encouraged. The scripture actually says that she stirred him up to do evil. And between the two of them, they were a bad pair. They did a lot of bad stuff. Here is a godly man, a godly king who hooks up and joins with Ahab and Jezebel. Everybody say big mistake. Big mistake. Didn't the scripture say in the New Testament? I'll just read it to you. You know it. But uh, in 2 Corinthians 6, he said, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Belial? What part has he that believeth with infidels? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? What's the answer to all that? He said, so come out from among them and be separate. Touch not the unclean thing and I'll receive you, says the Lord. Well, why did Jehoshaphat hook up with Ahab? Why did he do it? I'm sure he felt like it was a good move politically. It was a good move for the kingdom because they could use the alliance of Ahab's army. Strengthen their position. How many understand that's still not okay? Keep reading. Read further. Down into the... Uh, let me see. Where I want you to go. 31st verse. Verse 31 of the same 2 Corinthians 18. He hooks up with him and they're sitting there in their thrones. And, and Ahab says, okay, I want, we're going to go to battle. And Jehoshaphat says, I'm with you. And they went into battle. And Ahab says, I'll tell you what let's do. You wear my outfit. <laughs> you think Jehoshaphat be smarter than that, you know. He said, I'm not going to wear my kingly outfits. You wear yours. And he did. And the enemy had charged their guards and their main people. I don't care who you kill, but kill the king. Leave everybody else alone, but go for him. And he got out there in the middle of that. And all their forces converged on trying to kill Jehoshaphat, thinking it was Ahab. And it was only the grace and mercy of God in the middle of it. Jehoshaphat cried out for mercy and was spared. He hooked up with the wrong people. And influenced him. And you think he would have got the message after that, wouldn't you? You think he would have got, but turn to chapter 20. Chapter 20 and verse 35. Are you there? Let your eyes rest on the page here. Second Chronicles 20, 35. After this, after all that, did Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself? Did it say God joined them together? No, he joined himself. With this. There are situations that God joins you. Then there's others that you just join yourself. After this. He joined himself with Ahaziah. King of Israel. Who did very wickedly. Now this is one of the same family. That he joined up with earlier. And he joined himself with him. To make ships. To go to Tarshish. And they made the ships. In his iron jeber. How many know it's expensive to build ships? This is a financial, this is not just for war, this is financial because they're going to use these ships to go to other countries and get gold and get rare exotic stuff and bring it back for sale. This is a financial investment. Does it make a difference who you hook up with financially? And they poured all this money, they built all these ships, and verse 37, Eliezer, the son of Dodava of Marisha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat. He came to him one day, and he said, because you have joined yourself to Ahaziah, the Lord has broken your works, and the ships were broken, that they were not able to go to Tarshish. They were all destroyed. They lost the whole deal. Everybody say associations of faith. Associations 
a vision. Now, I don't know all the reasons we're talking about this tonight. But I do know this. The Lord wants to protect us. Amen. He wants us to be a blessing. And he wants us to influence others for good. And he doesn't want us influenced for evil. Amen. He wants us strong. And he doesn't want us to waste any time or any resources or any efforts on anything that's not him. Wednesday night here at prayer, and if you hadn't been coming, especially if you uh, feel like you're a member here, a part of the family, we have good times on Wednesday nights of prayer. And one good thing about that, you get on the beginning of stuff. You get on the inside track of some things before they happen out here. And one thing we're praying about is the plan of God and the will of God. And to know the difference between the plan of God and the plan of man. Amen. To know the difference between his will and just our, what we think. I'm believing for that. Are you? And anything that's an association that takes and wastes his resources, wastes his time and, and leads us the wrong direction, we need to treat that like the hand if you have to cut off. Amen. Or if it's like an eye, it's a part of you maybe. Maybe it's been a part of you long. It's just like part of your body. But if it's pulling you down, if it's taking you away from God, you know, one thing you can do, I, I started practicing this some years ago. After you read something, you close it. Do you feel closer to God or further from Him? After you get through watching a two-hour something. Now, do you feel more righteous? Do you feel more holy? Do you feel stronger in faith? Do you feel closer to God or do you feel weaker? Do you feel dirtier? Just check your spirit. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Don't let somebody else direct you in these. You've got the Holy Ghost inside you. Just check your own spirit right here. After you spent time with these people, after you had a meal with them, after y'all talked, how are you? You stronger in believing for your healing or weaker? You stronger in believing for all your bills to be paid or weaker? You hungrier for God or more inclined to sin? This make sense at all? Serious business. Now I don't mean that we don't want to influence others. If they don't have bigger vision than us. I mean the more vision God gives you in faith. He's going to use you. To influence others and help pull them up. But they're going to have to want it. Amen. If they don't want it. Don't just let them pull you down. I'd ever finish telling you the story about the minister that was delivered from the ungodly lifestyle in Vegas. They thought maybe they'd go back. And so they went back to witness to some of these people. And they're sitting at this table and there's all this nudity around and there's all this alcohol around. And they're supposedly trying to talk to these people about the Lord. Next thing you know, they're running the finger around the top of one of these margaritas like they used to. Tasting the salt. What comes after that? You down them. Is that what comes after that? You see what I'm saying? How many understand when the temptation is there, be honest with yourself. Don't try to act like you're at a place that you're not. And don't try to act like you're going to win them all to Jesus when they don't even want to hear what you got to say. They're not even open to you. Are you with me? It comes time when you got to pull a Joseph. You might know what Joseph did? It got too hot in the kitchen. Is that right? Here Potiphar's wife is slinking around in her uh, see-through outfit and every other thing. And she's been talking to him, hitting on him for week after week. It got to the place where he, she said, well, let's sit down here on the bed and talk about it. And he said, I'm out of here. I'm gone. And she grabbed his coat. He left his coat. He ran right out of his clothes. It gets to the point where it ain't time to talk. It ain't time to look. You better hit the road. You better get out of there. I'm talking to somebody. God's talking to somebody. You better get out of there. Or the next thing you know, you're going to be crying to somebody. Well, I don't understand. It just happened. No, it didn't just happen. You stayed too late. You went too far. You listened too much. The scripture says, don't go near the door of her house. Peter followed afar off, got sucked in. Don't enter into temptation. Don't get around it. Protect yourself. 
Get around people that love God. I said, get around people that love God. People that want to live right. People that want to live holy. Amen. People that believe that God still heals. People that believe that God will pay your bills and meet your needs. Amen. It's amazing to me. And I don't have any particular church in mind now, but I have seen it. I have seen people, God save them, God fill them with the Spirit, God heal their body, and then go back into a dead church and pay them to tell them that healing's passed away. That's ignorance. I guess some folk didn't like that, but it's true. I don't care who they are. I don't care how many degrees they got after their name. I don't care how many stained windows they've got. Don't let anybody rob you of your faith. Don't let anybody talk you out of the vision that God has given you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Amen. Stand up on your feet, please. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to lead you. We're going to release faith. Amen. The Lord's going to hear our prayer. How many believe God can take you up from where you are? How many believe there's more? There's higher. There's more. There's greater. I'm going to lead you in the prayer that the Lord led me those many years ago. Close your eyes. Lift up your heart before the Lord. Say out loud. Father God. Thank you for choosing me. Loving me, saving me, cleansing me, calling me your very own. You are my father. I am your child. I'm born again. I serve you and I follow you fully. I ask you in the name of Jesus, work inside me to will And to do of all your good pleasure. Make me perfect in all your will. Working in me that which is good and pleasing in your sight. Any associations, any connections, any involvements that would hurt me, that would diminish My vision, my faith, my love, my desire for you, open my eyes, help me to see them, and give me the strength to limit them or cut them off entirely as you lead. And I'm asking you, join me and give me association. And fellowship with greater vision, stronger faith, greater love for you, that I may be influenced, that I may embrace a bigger vision and a stronger faith, that I may love you more and desire you more and trust you and believe in you more and obey you fully. Hallelujah. I ask for it. I believe I receive it. And I thank you for it. In Jesus name. Everybody put up your hands and thank him for it. Just by faith. Thank him. Thank him for God ordained connections. God joined associations. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Say it out loud. I'm going from grace to grace, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Say it out loud again. I'm going from grace to grace, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. One more time. Say it with me. From grace to grace. From faith to faith, from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. Well, thank you for your patience. Thank you for staying. If I went a little bit long, I intended to, so I won't apologize. But uh, we're so glad you're with us this evening. Come back, be with us Sunday morning if you're visiting or something in town. It's 10 o'clock. If you're from another church, be at your church. Be faithful. Amen. And bring in some strong vision. Rub off some good things on other people. Amen. Let them be around you and just be encouraged from being around you. and Be stirred up. Amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.